How about that cigar? How about that cigar? That was aggressive. Very aggressive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday night. Welcome to episode 115 of How About That Cigar Live. Thanks so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. And for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thanks so much for listening while you drive down the road or work out whatever it is you do when you listen to your favorite audio podcast. Thank you so much for joining us live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 115 of How About That Cigar Live. And let's remind you about the beautiful new Drew Estate Undercrown 10. To celebrate the brand's anniversary in 2021, Drew Estate is getting all decked out. A tagline that denotes Undercrown 10's elegant packaging and reinforces the pride of Undercrown's 10 years of excellence. The new sophisticated packaging is surpassed only by Undercrown 10's complex, rich, and bold blend of ultra-premium aged tobaccos that includes the highest priming of Mexican San Andreas dark wrapper, the very finest broadleaf binder from the Connecticut River Valley, and a tripa blend of select and rare Nicaraguan tobaccos. Born on the factory floor at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate, the Undercrown brand is a passionate testament to the creative talent, dedication, and self-determination of Drew Estate's torcedores. Blended with many of the fine, rare vintages found in Liga Pravada, Undercrown quickly became the grand slam for Drew Estate as consumers felt a deep personal connection to the grassroots firebrand that celebrates the typically unheralded working-class heroes employed at the Drew Estate Cigar Factory. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. Mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, like we said, we're grateful. Happy to be with you guys live on Facebook and YouTube. As always, join us in the comments. Talk mm-hmm. to us. Get involved in the conversation. We want to know what you guys are smoking tonight. We want to know what you're drinking tonight. And if you have anything on the grill, let us know what you got cooking there. Um, so, the twins still suck. So, that's a quick one. We can get past that. Right? They do, but they've been winning. They, the, the twins still suck. They still suck. So, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's the glimmer of hope that Minnesota oh, sports teams. Believe me, I am I am I'm already on my bandwagon of <laughs> no. But yet again, they, they do a very Minnesota thing. They, where, yeah, uh, we're playing the Reds tonight, and the Reds are really really good right now. I don't. We're up two zero. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll 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 keep you posted, or maybe we won't. Um, so finally, we had we. Oh my gosh! We were talking before we went live. Finally, there's a break in the heat. Uh, it was a high of 66 degrees today. Uh, so for anybody and any of our friends in in Minnesota, you know what a welcome uh, feeling it was to not have that sick humidity anymore today. So it was a nice little break. Um, and even though, uh, just talking about the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, even though our Minnesota wild, you know, were eliminated pretty much right away. Um, it's a, still a very entertaining, uh, playoffs to watch the, uh, the teams remaining, of uh, Montreal, Las Vegas. Um, s- sorry. Uh, who did we just watch the other night? Uh, we watched New York, New York and, and the other one, the other was, one, the other team that was playing New York. Crap. It was such a great game, too. Yeah. Oh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Tampa Bay. Bay. Sorry. Yeah. Go Islanders. Go Islanders. So, and if you if you haven't watched the highlights, go on YouTube and watch the highlights of the the Islanders Lightning game from two nights ago. Saturday night. It was 
incredible. The the finish, the final the, seconds. The finish to that game was, I won't ruin it for you, but it's one of the most exciting finishes I've ever seen in a hockey game. And you've had some exciting finishes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just... Uh, Awkward. <laughs> so that, uh, but but yeah, the the Stanley Cup playoffs have been really exciting to watch. Uh, there's good teams left. Uh, I really, like I said, what, since Minnesota's eliminated, we really don't have a, you know, a dog in the fight. But um, I, I would like to see New York uh, make it through because uh, it's been like 40 years, close to 40 years. Um, and I'd love to see Vegas get through because although they did beat the Wild, I, I... They were the better team. Then we can say that the team that, you know, made it to the Stanley Cup is the team that beat the Wild. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, it's an exciting series to watch. Um, so let's get to our, uh, our, I don't think we should wait. Do we have, do we have a guest? We do have a guest. Oh, we have a guest. This evening on the show on episode 115. And as always, guys, special guests on How About That Cigar Live are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Welcome to episode 115 of How About That Cigar Live from LFD Cigars. John Carney. Boom. Boom. <laughs> oh yeah. He is That's so hot. That is uh, so hot. It's uh this is a shirt from this guy. He's a he's a bodybuilder. His name's Brad Castleberry. And um he's just out of control. And he he does lifts, everything's easy work. He used to get uh, he used to get route uh, you know, we're kind of railed on because they accused him of using fake weights and stuff. The guy's jacked. He's out of his brain. But his catchphrase is boom. After every time he does lift, he's like, boom, easy work. So my buddies and I joke around and I was finally the idiot that, that picked up the shirt. Um, So now I wear the boom shirt and everybody thinks it's, they have no idea it's Brad Castleberry. They think it's something that I've made. Um, And it kind of looks like the doom logo. So it's pretty badass. It is. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We already Just got like- the guys in the comments. Mr. Yeah. America, I gotta give I gotta give the guys what they want. You know, Kevin, Quentin, <laughs> all the guys that are in here. Bill, Bill Coins hanging around. I gotta give the guys what they want. Um, <laughs> but I, I know I see you got Corona cigar there. I'm actually I, I live I live just about a mile and a half down the street uh, from the downtown location. So I live I just live just north of downtown Orlando, and um, they are the ultimate cigar experience. I will say that I talk about it regularly, but. Uh, everybody seems to be visiting Florida. If you get the opportunity and you're in one of those areas, I highly recommend checking it out. I um, mean, there's lots of good retailers in the central Florida area, but it truly is the Disney world of cigars, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. So Garrett and I are about to fire up these lovelies. 
Look at that. Mm. Look at that. Oh. So for those so, of you listening on the audio podcast, <clears throat> you'll just have to go on YouTube and, and, and look at this because it's so it's so pretty. So what you two have there isn't actually in the market yet. It was intended to be in the market last year. Um, it is technically in production, but as production's gone up and down over the last you know 16 months. Uh, fortunately, we're back to full production now. As of last week, we just returned to full production, which was nice. Um, that will still take a few months to get caught back up. But um, what you're smoking is the TAA um, 50th anniversary Tercera edition, which is the third edition. Uh, the reason we've continued, we had the Segunda, the previous release. Um, I, I really like the logo that the TAA did for the 50th. Yeah. I thought it looked really elegant. I thought it was great. Um, I don't. I think their logo is very creative as it is, but the addition of the leaf and the color, uh, you know, I really like that. So I pitched it to Toledo um, and Inez, and I was like, I really like this logo, and I'd like to kind of make, you know, a series that goes along with that past the 50th anniversary. Because the 50th anniversary happens, there's all this hoopla, they got all these new logos, and then boom, it's done, right? The convention's over, and you never see the logo again. It's like you spent all this time on this it'd be unique for us to take something and, and continue on a different edition with it. So this is the third edition. Um, it's a six by six and a half by 58 box press chisels. Um, if I'm wrong, by the way, I put the sizes measurements and stuff on the bag. So if I'm wrong, let me know, but I think it's six and a half by 58 box press chisel. Um, it comes in natural and Maduro. Um, and it'll be coming out sometime this year that it'll be the, the third edition of the 50th anniversary series that we've done. Um, for the TAA, and uh, it'll be out sometime this year. But the samples you're smoking, you know, have been aged now for about a year, year and a half, because uh, those were intended to be ready uh, for the beginning of 2020 um, for sampling by TAA retailers. So just went out to retailers for sampling about two months ago, and and then we, we've got those orders in, and they're slowly in production when they're ready to go. Uh, hopefully to see those towards the end of the summer. Nice. Well, and this is the – so the, the chisel shape is my number one shape to V cut. It is my favorite cigar to V cut. Garrett's know. fancy. We're going to make this happen. So Garrett- it, is, it, it is, it is a unique thing. I, I have cut a chisel that way before. It is cool. Um, the integrity of it stays together really well, just because the way it's rolled at the cap, it is a really good cigar to V cut. And, and it's, it kind of creates like a little Canyon uh, there, but I, I, it's, I, I cut it any different way. The way I tend to cut is just a pinch. I, I pinch the two sides together because uh, I don't usually have a cutter on me all the time because I either one lose it, two it gets confiscated at the airport, yeah. um, or I don't dare use the one at a retail shop. Well, and this is one of the prime examples of for for those of you who aren't familiar with the chisel shape, um, and you know LFD really pioneered this. There's a lot of uh, there, there's a number of of LFD blends that you can you know. Um, that you can get introduced to this on and even this cigar a 58 ring gauge for those of you who aren't big on larger ring gauge cigars if you don't mm-hmm. enjoy smoking larger ring gauge cigars because of the feel that's why the chisel is is so great because this 58 ring gauge feels like a 50 ring gauge it's really easy to smoke and it's starting out beautifully there's a joke there but i'm there's gonna a let joke that there. one i'm gonna let that one go <laughs> so um i'm smoking i'm following along in the comments too so i see some questions that i'll, that I'll get to uh, but i'm smoking tonight the brand new lfd stars and stripes and this is exclusively for 
um, our July 4th gourmet smoke session and fireworks show. On the July 4th, I'll be doing a live broadcast. Of, you know, people have been following along. Um, I have a cooking program called Hacking Gourmet, and we do uh, La Florida Minicana gourmet smoke sessions each month. And we've got one next week, uh, actually this week on Wednesday in Arkansas, and then on fr- uh, the following week for the 4th of July, we're going to be doing two episodes at 3 o'clock on 4th of July. We're going to be cooking a tomahawk ribeye and steak hot dogs. And then at 9 o'clock when the sun goes down in Maine, uh, we're going to launch about, I'm not going to give a total number, uh, a dollar value, but we're going to launch several thousand dollars worth of fireworks into the sky live on Facebook and YouTube um, while we're smoking these cigars. So these are these are available through our partner. Actually, I'm kind of up in your neck of the woods at uh, Jack Schwartz in Chicago. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's I love... I love some of the uh, the cigars that LFD has really kind of celebrated the talents of the uh, of of the people in the factory with uh, you know the special designs and things like that. Um, LFD has really done a good job with that uh, over the last number of years, and that's that one with the stars and stripes on it is just beautiful. Yeah, it was awesome. I I actually they shipped out to the retailer about two weeks ago, but I just got my hands on them last week and I got back to the office and if you see me looking down, I'm looking at it, but the, um, it just looks awesome. It's got a barber pole in it too. So stars and stripes. Yeah. Um, yep. it's the shape of our TCFKAM, but it's a different blend. As you can tell, the wrapper's a little darker. Um, it's not quite Maduro and it's not quite natural. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really cool cigar. I like it. I think it's something really fun. Um, this may be, we're, there's going to be a season two of the gourmet smoke sessions. We're going to continue doing these, um, at the end of this year, our grand finale is in February uh, down at Davidoff of Tampa uh, with Corona Cigars and Jeff uh, in February 22. But uh, season two will start before the grand finale of season one, which would be a little weird. But I get to do what I want with it. You know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. I don't work for ABC or NBC or something <laughs> like that. Um, so we'll get season two kicking off early in the year. Uh, but I, I think this is one that will come back. You know, I'll try to do a different variation with it with a different retailer each each year with the 4th of July. Because uh, it's just something fun. I've been doing a fireworks show for the last probably eight, nine years, and I, I streamed it last year. Um, so when 4th of July popped up, I'm like, we've got to do a gourmet session. We've got to do tomahawk ribeyes with steak hot dogs. And I was like, and then we have to do the fireworks show, and I have to have a scar called the Stars and Stripes. So it, it coincidentally worked out very well. Yeah. So, uh, and as you mentioned, we are getting some – some good questions and comments from uh, from people already, but we and and I promise you we will get to that. It's already on our list. But uh, one of the first things I want to get to, John, is just talking about you know because last time we talked was was March of last year. It was really it was just before COVID caused the lockdowns and the shutdowns and things like that. So um, you know, talk to us about. Uh, how LFD is bouncing back and uh, what you're seeing from your retail partners and your consumers out there. You know, the, it's certainly been an interesting 16 months. I mean, I think the word interesting is, uh, you know, it's been used and it's probably um, falls short of describing it. Uh, But for me, it's been really interesting to watch and us as a company, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs with it. Unfortunately, it wasn't as bad for the premium cigar industry as it was for a lot of other industries. You know, I grew up in the restaurant business. COVID was brutal uh, for restaurants that weren't involved and previously involved in like pickup business, uh, you know, to go business. I used to be a manager for Olive Garden when I graduated from college way back when. And 
people, you know, they've stayed pretty consistent, but you know, I understood that because Olive Garden's always had a huge to go business. People don't realize it. They think it's going in, you know, up, you know, casual dining restaurant, you go and just sit down. I mean, we do three to $4,000 a day in to go business on like a Monday, Tuesday, when uh, every day of the week uh, you're doing big business with that. So, you know, restaurants like that had an opportunity to transition, but you know, small hospitality industry, small businesses just got nailed. Um, and it's fortunate in the cigar business, the demands, you know, went to another level, the production uh, levels. I think one of the big, big things that came from this was how many cigars everybody had, um, you know, at the beginning, that first six months, um, you know, the market was flooded with cigars. It was like, I got to sell what I have because who knows how long we're going to be out and closed or whatever. Um, and there was just a lot of cigars on the market for the first six months. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of companies that had excess, not, you know, I wouldn't say excess, but you know, I guess that's the term for it. You know, they had a surplus of cigars at the beginning and now nobody has any. I mean, everybody's playing catch up. You know, I walked into some retailers last week and I'd never seen shelves empty like that in terms of backup. No, there's still a lot of cigars around, but, you know, certain sizes of certain brands, other brands that are never back ordered on anything, I uh, have a back order on it. Uh, you know, companies that their their goal is to make as many cigars as they possibly can are still having a hard time keeping up. So, you know, the challenge for us was at the beginning, uh, so we, we're entirely vertically vertically integrated from the farm, factory, everything to see to, to me as a house. And the factory was closed. Like first thing in March was just done. So there was no way. We don't have a bonded warehouse here. Um, so for about two months, we didn't have any cigars. You know, there was no cash. So we just sold what we had in Miami. Um, and there was really two months of... Of um, that, you know, and I, I know some people gave us some tr- some crap, and some trash, and, and whatnot on on some of the you know the layoffs and some of the positions we had. But we had no long no idea how long this was going to happen. And without cigars and no cash flow, you can't pay bills. Um, so if that were to happen to have gone on for a much longer period of time, um, you know, we would have been in a real hole there. But fortunately, it didn't go that direction. I mean, I respect people's opinions and views on that. Their views, unfortunately, their views and opinions were wrong. You know, we had to make the best decision for our business to maintain that. Uh, you know, I felt bad for the people that were with us. Those people were my friends. Uh, but, you know, that was an adjustment. And that's a challenging business decision that, that turned out to be the right decision initially. Um, and now we're, you know, 12 months, 13 months later, we're now rebuilding our sales force. Um, and we help those other people find positions in the industry and they're thriving now. Um, so that's a good situation with that. So there's definitely a lot of learning opportunities. Nobody's been through this before. And um, it's really interesting uh, to watch the whole thing you know that for me internally this is like a big 16 month case study of, of business and, and you know and, and uh you know crisis management i guess in terms of the premium cigar industry yeah and what's um what's kind of happening now as far as we've talked to a couple other companies recently that little by little um retailers and manufacturers are starting to once again organize you know, one of the things that we love as consumers is the in-store events where brand owners or sales managers or local reps come in and, and you have a special event for a brands and, uh, you know, some, the, the customers love it. You know, there's, there's giveaways, there's swag, there's fun, usually food, stuff like that that goes along with it. So what's, uh, how is LFD kind of getting back into the groove of, of in-store events and stuff like that? So, you know, we, we, in terms of me personally, uh, you know, you know, we really, I really didn't stop for that long last year. I wasn't out there every week like I used to be. Um, but when 
when it hit, I was really I was really grounded from about March, April, May, and June, and a little bit of July. Once July hit, we started to have an idea in some areas around the country um, where there was you know a little bit less restrictions. Things were a little bit better. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in in the Atlanta market doing some events last year in August, September. Um, we did a bunch of things in Florida, but uh, we also did, you know, we really embraced the virtual side of it. And, you know, we took it from just being virtual and being a Zoom meeting to doing a show, um, you know, with, with the Hacking Gourmet show that I've got, with the La Florida Minicana events that we've done, the Night in Santiago factory farm tours that we've done in stores. Um, and then we started doing the Hacking Gourmet La Florida Minicana smoke sessions last year in September. And each of those, except one of them, uh, has been in store each month. Uh, so we kind of maintained a presence um, and a focus with those events. We haven't done a ton. Obviously, product availability has been a challenge, and you don't want to do a bunch of events um, when you're having a challenge with product because you need to get product to people that need it. And, you know, and really an event's about generating more sales or generating further interest in the product. And the last thing we needed at that time was more interest if there's something backed up. Um, but that, that was really for us has kept the focus. We really fine tuned the way now that we do actual events in person. You know, the event I have going on Wednesday is one of our gourmet sessions, but there's going to be a live broadcast involved in it. Um, you know, we're going to be streaming live online at the same time, and then we'll be doing the event in person. So everybody that's there is part of a live broadcast. Um, they're participating in food, drink. Um, so it's really about bringing a full a full experience all together in one place. Um, for any number of people, you know, the one I got going on Wednesdays for 50 people, the one I had last month in May, I uh, was for 150 people. Uh, so it's really trying to engage people in the environment that they've been involved in and the experiences they've been involved in over the last 12 to 14 months, but then bring it back into the store. I mean, then there's some people that prefer this, you know, there's some people that do enjoy you know, sitting and watching an event, watching a show, having a cigar, they can't make it to it. I uh, try to find a way to implement that into our events. And as our sales managers get started, our new sales managers, they're going to be uh, focusing on that as well. Um, so, that, you know, I had two new guys start last week and we were all talking about ideas and different concepts uh, that they could do with the events because everybody wants to do something that's a little more exciting. And, and this environment in, in the last year has caused this industry to have to be more dynamic in terms of events. Yeah. Uh, we've got a cool uh, kind of side question from one of our regular viewers, John. John wants to know, he said, I just bought my first Blackstone grill. What do you suggest to season it, oil or bacon? Oh, there's two good questions. So John also had an earlier question. He asked why we're not going to the PCA show. Uh, we're not trying yeah. to make a statement. Uh, it's the same concept I talked about with events. Uh, you know, We're doing one to two a month to keep the events and keep things relevant and continue to go forward. Um, and then in terms of the trade show, we just got back to full production last week. The trade show is in about two weeks it would be impossible to go to a show and try to generate existing sales, um, launch new products. The only thing we're going to really miss out on, uh, which is unfortunate is the connection with the retailers uh, that you have in one place, but we're really focusing our efforts a hundred percent on the production side and reestablishing the sales team. And so we're not trying to make a statement towards the PCA. Um, we know we made no press release about it. So there's, there's nothing, uh, uh, vindictive about that uh, you know it was really just to focus on what's best for for the business and best for our retail partnerships uh, i just got a blackstone grill too i've got the 36 inch air fryer great question um i would highly recommend using uh, seasoning with vegetable oil uh bacon fat uh, would be delicious uh however it has a uh 
it's going to end up breaking down a little bit faster. Um, that that vegetable oil is the best thing to season it with, in my opinion. That's what I've actively actively seasoned it with. When I clean it off, I season it with vegetable oil. It uh, just creates a nice layer. It's got a good smoke point. Uh, but you could use bacon fat. My recommendation would be to use bacon fat right right before you cook something. Yeah. You know, throw it on there right before. Yeah, I agree with with seasoning bacon. You you want vegetable oil because it's neutral flavor, and you want bacon, and and you want it also because it it, it can have a higher smoke point, and uh, animal fats can tend to go rancid faster than mm-hmm. processed vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just I'm gonna a- break. It's just gonna break down. Yeah, yeah. I'm a grapeseed fan uh, for a lot. I, I use vegetable for a while, and I. I found that grapeseed actually doesn't leave a, a flavor. So with my cast irons or anything, um, grapeseed has just been money. Keeping yeah, I, I, I cook with grapeseed, uh, but for the seasoning of it, you're breaking it. If you, if you season it, in my opinion, if you season it correctly, you're trying to, to really break it into the, you know, kind of absorb it the same way you're using the cast iron. That's essentially what it is. You're essentially burning it off, to the, you know, completely burning it off, and you're really just creating a layer. Uh, I don't really tend to get too much flavor because, again, I season it with a vegetable oil, and then there's grapeseed oil, olive oil, truffle oil. There's everything all over mine at the end of the yeah. day. But, yeah, I wouldn't initially season with animal fats. You guys are 100% right. Grapeseed oil, you know, vegetable oil, anything like that's going to be a really good initial seasoning because you're going to throw more oil down. You don't season it and then not put anything else in it. Yeah. Well, and, and not to uh, um, belabor the point too much that you made it a minute ago about uh, the PCA trade show, but I really, I really dig what you, what you said when you were on Bear's show on Sunday, you know, because I know Bear had a, uh, a last-minute Hail Mary to a bunch of guys that uh, came on and filled in when his guest wasn't able to make it, and you were one of those people. And I really appreciate what you said on there where, when you said um, that it's um, – that like you even mentioned here, it's not a political statement and you're really, it, you felt like it would be, um, it would be a disservice to your retail partners, your current good standing retail partners. You know, if you're out there, uh, you know, selling to possibly some new retail partners and not able to fill, you know, orders, you know, to the people who are already, keeping your lights on so I, I really respect that a lot yeah no i i certainly appreciate it and you know in reality for me is you know i understand we, we don't make enough cigars for the demand of our product we're just a smaller company um in regards to that smaller than what the demand is you know in terms of the size we're pretty moderately sized you know cigar brand but we we don't make an endless amount of cigars and it's frustrating for some retailers and i understand that um but you know the the best focus for us and the best way for us to be seen is I need to have a salesperson talk to you on the phone. I need to reestablish that. We need to make sure we get caught up to a point where, where our retailers at least have the able, ability to communicate uh, to their, to their customers, um, you know, about what's going on. You know, if there's, you know, it, it's been a really challenging year in regards to that. As I said, on our end, it's great. We've been selling a lot of cigars and our retailers are selling through them really fast. Um, and the yeah. demand's getting more and the reputation is continuing to grow. Um, so it's a great situation. We really do need to focus on it. And, you know, and I, was, I, you know, I was honest too, you know, the PCA is a great organization. I find it very important. Um, the show is a problem. There is, there are issues with it. I'm not going to pretend like there aren't issues. If there weren't issues, the four largest cigar manufacturers in the world wouldn't have left the show. Um, you right. know, there, there are issues, but 
uh, I think it's important to support the organization, and I, I hope they continue to work through those issues, and I think they are, but that was really not a major part of our decision-making. Uh, yeah. You know, if there was 100% of a decision to make, 5% was about about the show issues. You know, 95% of it was about our ability to, to make sure that we maintain our production schedule and continue to get back a healthy spot. Absolutely. And are, um, are you guys still members, PCA members? Yeah. Or are you not closing that? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Raul, one of our uh, local guys, he's asking about uh, who's got LFD locally. And for those of you listening and watching who don't know where we are locally, we're in uh, the Minneapolis, St. Paul, Twin Cities area. So Raul, like Garrett said, everybody, uh, Sodi's Cigar and Pipe has them. Stogie's on Grand has them. Um, uh, Tobacco Grove has them. Burn has them. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple other shops that I'm forgetting about, but I can't recall a shop in the Twin Cities area that does not have uh, La Florida Minicana on the shelf. So yeah, we have a we have a pretty healthy uh, healthy business in, in the Minneapolis market, and um, yep. you know there's a lot of supporters there. And, and honestly, over COVID, um, you know we had a sales rep that covered that area. Uh, but my sales rep from Florida now covers it. And that guy is like a legend. Uh, he's, he used to sell vinyl records in the eighties and he, uh, he, he's been deal. He's the best cold caller on the planet. Like he's just, he, he had, he'll sit on the phone and talk people's ear off, but give them the service that they really need. So while he's been not really, I wouldn't say bored, but when he's been traveling less and had more free time, I, I've sat and listened to him call people in Minnesota. He'll take like a day and call like the nine, 10 accounts we have and spend like an hour talking to each person going through everything. So um, he's done a really good job of trying when we have things to make sure the accounts are taken care of up there. So it's, it's been, it's been, a, as I said, I think it's been a good thing for the Minnesota market. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a pretty healthy representation for us up there. So I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned it a little bit already. Um, I want to talk about the gourmet smoke sessions and I want to talk about the hacking gourmet. This this has been something so fun for for me to watch, and I know Garrett yep. to watch during, uh, you know, ever since it started out, and it was really kind of, uh, you know, when when uh, when COVID hit, and uh, tell us about the genesis of the hacking gourmet and how how that all came to be. So the real way it started, I've all I've been doing cooking events in cigar shops for for nine over nine years and by, by the way tomorrow's my 10-year anniversary actually with lfd so i guess this can be my 10-year oh, anniversary show yeah uh but i've been doing i've been doing cigar and cooking events at shops for over nine years even when i was a sales rep and i was doing them before i was a sales rep so it's been over 10 years it was before i worked for lfd we were doing uh some cooking stuff at a shop i worked at when i was in grad school down here in orlando um so really it, it was born out of having you know, having this extra time in reality. Um, by the way, it's raining out here. Real quick, guys. I'm going to go under the hood. Hold up. Oh, yeah. No worries. This is yeah, going to be a really a- scientific method here. We're going to take a we're gonna take a towel, put it over the computer, and there we are. <laughs> there we go. So, oh, now we're comfy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was it was really brought to you by you know, the situation of we, we were doing some cooking events and I'd always kind of done some of these things. Um, and then Brian McGee and I, um, you know, we, we did a cooking event together in 
October in Big Spring, Texas. It was a competition. He he won technically. Uh, I won the I won the popular vote. Uh, sorry, I he won the popular. One of us won the popular vote. One of them won the electoral college. I'm pretty sure I won the popular vote. He won the electoral college. Um, so we did that event. So when COVID hit, I, I called Brian up, and he and I had some stuff that we were going to do together after that. And I had said to him, you know, hey, I want to do the show. Just call it quarantine grilling. Something to do. We started about two weeks after COVID, and uh, yeah, he goes, it'd be great. We did it every single Monday. Uh, for about six to eight months. And then uh, we, you know, in July hit, we changed the name to Hacking Gourmet. And the goal with it is to, is to get, um, you know, to, to turn this something, turn this into an experience that consumers and retailers could participate in in person and virtually at the same time. Um, you know, when things kind of returned back to normal and, you know, coincidentally, it didn't return back to normal as, as quickly as we thought. Uh, so I kind of took it to another level and started doing some of these uh, on my own, but you know, the plan was always to take it. I'm um, do some things with Crown Heads, and you know, our, our partner Fred Rui, who's our moderator on the show, um, you know, to, to get him involved in some things going forward. Um, so yeah, it was really born out of we just had nothing going on. Uh, you know, we were both cooking, and we used to do some cooking events, and I've always done them in shops. And I was like, how can I, we create something that when this is all over and said and done, that we could transfer this effort and time we put into something that that's valuable yeah and if you guys don't know who fred Rui is uh oh he's the best yeah and and follow him uh because he puts at least one smile on my face a day yeah with the stuff he he's he's hilarious it's funny so how, how it went down with fred was i was in orlando on vacation for like two weeks um prior to covid it was like the end of february and I ran into him. He lives in, he lives in this area, so I ran into Corona. And we hung out. I always Fred and I always knew each other, but we never really spent much time together. And um, so we talked for like an hour or two, just hung out, smoking, talking about food, cigars, life. And then COVID hit, and I had just seen him. And we started doing this quarantine grilling thing. And you know, Fred specializes in online marketing, and uh, you know, his background. Uh, he's, he has a very extensive background in cigars and just a bunch of different things. You know, he's a master of many different trades. Um, so he, he had interest in being involved. He reached out to us. He's like, hey, I'd like to be part of this. He gives me something to do. You know, we, we've taught, we spent many nights, Fred, Brian, and I, you know, talking about different concepts and ideas going forward. And there's still things that are in the works with that. And it was great that he jumped on um, and, and decided to be part of it. And, you know, I think we, I think he just generally enjoys it. And, you know, and he said that there's the, we have plans for a lot of other things with this. Um, outside of just what we're doing with LFD. LFD will always be involved in it. You know, they're a partner of ours in Hacking Gourmet. Obviously, they're a significant uh, part of my life. Uh, you know, that's my that's my actual job. Um, and it's been fun to take something that I have a passion with, with culinary um, and bring that into this industry and bring that into uh, the LFD world because Lido's very passionate about it too. So when I pitched them on the concept, uh, they were like, yeah, absolutely, this is great, go ahead. And uh, it's been fun. I mean, the gourmet sessions, there's nothing like it out on the road. Uh, you know, I dare someone to show up with production software. I have two suitcases that have, you know, production cameras in it. It's a shame tonight that I, I, I have my own show and I have my lighting's pretty decent, but it's just a computer. Uh, but I have lighting setups, you know, canvas artwork. I have green screens, the whole deal. Um, you know, I dare someone to show up with all that stuff in a shop and, and then not just show up with it, but then cook, put 
put together the cigar packages, have a great experience with people. I figured I'm already in the shop. I might as well have fun and do some other things when I'm there. Um, so that's really how it got born and what the concept was, was to try to turn that into something that could translate into the stores uh, when this was all over. Yeah. So of all the of all the dishes that you've made on uh, at these sessions or on, on the Hacking Gourmet, what was your favorite one and what was your least favorite one? So I made, I'll start with least favorite. I made this skillet cornbread um, that was awful. And on the show, <laughs> I was, I, it was, we came up, we were like, my buddy Cole, uh, he's a, tr he's an actual chef. And uh, he, he came up, he lives right down the street from me up in Maine. So he came down after. And on the show, I was like, oh, this cornbread came out great, blah, 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 blah. And he comes down and the first thing he says, he's like, how'd that cornbread come out? I was like, dude, I go, it wasn't, it came with soup. I go, it was terrible. Like, I was like, it's like quiche or something. It's terrible. It kind of had like a texture of quiche, but not really. There was no eggs in it. Um, he's like, yeah. He was like, I was wondering. He goes, how it came because the way you cooked, he goes, but you said it came out good. He's like, so I thought, I was like, no, I was totally lying. It was absolutely awful. Uh, so that was the worst thing I ever cooked. That was, that was bad. That was probably the only thing I've actually, I failed on two dishes in the last year. I failed on, that cornbread and then i did a white wine infused boiled dinner man that thing was rancid oh god it was awful <laughs> i infused oh. i infused the corned beef with like this mustard white wine blend and then when you took a bite out of it i didn't i didn't cook it hot enough to cook off any of the alcohol oh and uh and, so and i took a bite of that Oh, it wasn't just boozy. It was awful because it had vinegar. It had, I mean, it had white wine. It was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. I threw it all out after the show. Uh, so that was, those are the only two I've ever failed on. My favorite, man, we did an episode called uh, Food Truck Fair, which I just posted some pictures up about a year ago. That was one I was probably the most proud of because uh, my family had a restaurant called The Snack Shack, and my food truck for that episode was called The Snack Shack. We all created our own food truck, and we had, um, a friend of ours from out in a friend of the show out in Oregon who has a food truck called what the TW2F what the food truck. Um, and he, he's a big cigar smoker too. And we had him on and the, that show was fun for me because I cooked food from the snack shacks. So I did like, I knocked off McDonald's big Macs only I did them with like Wagyu beef and, uh, it was incredible. I homemade pickles, and I did a family onion ring recipe. I made buffalo. I did these uh, broil these uh, sorry these smoked buffalo wings. Um, I deep fried a secret family onion ring recipe. That was probably one that I had the most fun on because I was dressed up in my snack shack gear from when I was a kid. Um, so that was really fun. So I was really proud of that dish and that proud of that episode. Nice. Um, so let's say the stars align, and you somehow end up on Beat Bobby Flay. <laughs> What is your signature dish? Wow. Um, I would probably do a, um, I would definitely, I'd do churrasco. I would do, I would do churrasco. Now I, I would, I can outcook them on steak for sure. Um, I can cook a steak just as good as Bobby Flay can. The, the, one of the challenges of Bobby Flay is the man's an incredible chef, but he's also a great cook. So yeah. if he, if his stuff he's not familiar with, he can cook anything. Um, you know, so he's never going to screw anything up. You know, he doesn't ever, he never overcooks anything. He never treats a dish the way it shouldn't. No, they may not like it. It may be put together wrong, but it's always going to be layered flavors and 
he does a great job of sauces. Um, so you have to do a sauce to beat him. Uh, so because you have to have him make a sauce, you have to compete with that. So I would do like churrasco. I do, I do uh, fried yuca or boiled yuca. Um, I do black beans and a, a Spanish rice. And then I do a churrasco because I got to do some type of sauce. You can't just do, hey, I'm just going to cook a tomahawk ribeye. Um, so uh, I'm really confident in my chimichurri sauce. I think it's phenomenal. Um, so I'd go to, I'd take them on with, uh, with churrasco. Yeah. Chimichurri, I think, uh, I, I would, I would someday like to have just like a auto, uh, an automatic system set up to like, just mm-hmm. put chimichurri sauce on every food. I guys, I ever guys, I put it, I put it on everything. So like, yeah. we're doing the, We're doing the July 4th episode. We're doing one for, uh, with the fireworks show, the whole deal. We're doing tomahawk pork chops. Oh. And I have a I have a rib rub that we're putting on it called the Notorious PIG. <laughs> but then we're also putting chimichurri sauce on it after. So it's like whenever I have it, it's like you got to have a sauce on some of these dishes to make it a little more gourmet and just appearance. And for me, chimichurri is great. So and I think it's a I think it's a simple sauce. And there's a lot of different things that that can go into it to make a lot of unique flavors. So I, yeah. I think a chimichurri would I think a chimichurri would give uh, would give to Bobby Flay a run for his money. So are you doing, uh, cause I've never worked with this particular ingredient before. Uh, but are you doing the, the special, like fancy Iberico pork or, or just locally sourced pork or what are you doing there? So the, the pork we have is from, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called Neiman ranch, uh, or Neiman N I M A N Neiman ranch. And, um, no, it's just a, it's just a pork chop, an American grown pork chop. It's not Iberico. We have done some Iberico in the past. It's phenomenal. Uh, we did Iberico ribs at one of the events I did in May. Um, but no, we're, we're, this one's just an American grown pork chop. Uh, it's going to be awesome. The concept of the Wednesday session is in Arkansas. So we're doing, you know, the cigar is called La Cima de Aguda, which means the Razorback. Um, so we're doing a pork themed, uh, pork themed dish. So I got pork ribs. I've got um, pork tomahawks we're doing on the show. And then I'm cooking some pork shoulders. You had me at pork. Yep. That's if there was, if I was, if, if I had to only choose one animal protein to eat for the rest of my life and I could only choose one, it would be pork. Beef. As much as I, I love I, beef. I do love beef, but the, the, the unique side of pork is there's so many really good lean cuts. Um, there's some great lean cuts on beef too, but it tends, some of the more lean cuts on beef tend to be uh, real tough. Um, yeah. You know, so I think. I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of um, diverse ways to prepare pork. And there's also tons of different varieties of it, the same way there is with beef, different grading. So it's a toss-up uh, between both. And, you know, I, I think if you're going to have a lifetime diet of something, I think probably a lifetime diet of pork would extend your life a little bit longer uh, than beef. Not that there's anything wrong with beef. It just has a higher fat content. Yeah. And that guanciale, the cheek meat guanciale, of the pig. Guanciale, yeah, the cheek... Uh... Oh my gosh! Uh, jowl, jowl bacon—is that what they call it? Jowl, yeah. I don't know. It's. I it's, did um, on our one-year mm-hmm. anniversary episode of Hacking Gourmet. I did a, um, I did Wagyu beef cheeks, and I sous vide oh. those in red wine. They were delicious. Thank you for saying, saying sous vide. We didn't have to bring it up. It was we we talked we a lot about this. we talked a lot about sous vide on the show, and 
we get a lot of hate in the comments. We didn't. We didn't. This was not scripted. This. this was not prompted. He brought it up of his own volition. I was actually going to <laughs> abstain from bringing up sous vide. Yep. On this. So uh, I hate I hate sous vide at the end of the day. Um, if I was if I was going to have to, like, you know, if people were to say, what's your favorite? Sous vide would never be one of my top cooking techniques. However, there is something really ideal about precision cooking is that it's precision. Um, you know, so the events that I go to and cook in person, uh, you know, I did some I did some um, I did 88 pounds of prime filet mignon tips at this one event. And I and I cooked it in I sous vide it for like five hours at like 139 degrees, just so it would be like medium. And then I tossed in this charcoal rub called Fogo charcoal rub. It's charcoal, onion powder, garlic powder, salt, a little bit of cayenne pepper and whatnot. And so people came up after the show, after the meal, I was like, hey, what you think of the meal? Like, oh, everybody's like, oh man, the filet mignon was cooked perfect. And there was a few guys that came up, you know, it was Long Island. So, you know, hey, you know, I, I prefer to have a little char on my steak, you know, hey, this, that. And I was like, you know, hey, I go, what did you think about the way it was cooked? And they said, well, it was perfectly cooked. It's just like I like a little char. I said, if I had charred and grilled, I go, all these tips. I go, how many events have you been to where the steak comes out and yours is cooked rare? The person next to yours is medium well and well done. I go, it's so inconsistent. I go, so I'd rather have you prefer a chart. I go, then have you complain about how it was tough and this was well done. I said, and by the way, if you want a charred steak, you can come to one of the smaller events that we may do sometime. I go, and then I'll cook you a steak. And I go, and I'll grill it on charcoal, and it'll be freaking delicious. I go, but for 150 people, there's no way to cook 150, you know, 88 pounds of filet mignon, all perfect. I don't care who you are. There's no way to get it done unless you sous vide. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Um, so I also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the uh the the smoking tobacco show that's been uh you know that it's been it's been cool to see that uh, progress and grow so how did you how did you get involved with that project how do you know those guys so it's it's really funny because i i, I that's one of the biggest questions in the front biggest questions i get about my relationship with matthew and nicole was like how the heck did you guys run into each other that you know obviously we're all from new england but i'm from maine and they're from massachusetts so it's a different world um so I, I do get asked a lot. One of the funniest things was I, I was in this I was in Ponca City, Oklahoma, and I walked into this store called the Grand Cigar Lounge. They're great friends now. And I walked in and three of the guys like, hey, you're John from Smoking Tobacco. And I was like, man, I go, I've been working for nine years. I go for LFD <laughs> and these people recognize me from Smoking Tobacco. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, it's funny how Matthew and I ran into each other was um, I, I had met him up in New Hampshire at Two Guys Smoke Shop. He came out to, uh, I was on the Cigar Authority, he came out to one of the events, and we just kind of hung out and started talking and having some cigars. We had some mutual, you know, mutual things that we had in common. And um, so we just started talking, and that was probably, I'd say probably a month and a half prior to uh, to COVID happening, and then COVID hits. So I'm up in Maine, everybody's kind of all over the place, and you've got unbridled access to the biggest names in the cigar business, right? Every show has got the biggest names sitting at their house doing nothing. So it's like, if you want to talk to Pete Johnson, Pete Johnson's available Monday through Sunday, 24 hours a day. When do you want to talk? What show do you want to be on? Um, so the John Carney demand, you know, 
at secondary level, I'm step, you know, several steps down for most of these people in terms of, you know, cigar, you know, cigar, you know, I wouldn't call myself royalty, but those guys are cigar royalty and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, shit, you had Carlito Fuente was on a show every freaking night. I mean, when does that ever happen? Um, you know, and then he started his own show on top of being on every show. Um, so there was really not much going on. Like for me, I was, you know, I started the quarantine grilling the hacking gourmet and then the first week of COVID Matthew hits me up and he goes, um, Hey, he's like, do you want to do a little Instagram live thing? He goes, I'm trying to go live. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I figured that, you know, if you had some time, did you want to go live? So I was like, yeah, sure. So we hung out on the live feed for, I think it was 45 minutes. Instagram allowed you to be live at that time. Um, and then we jumped around from room to room that night. And I said, Hey man, that was kind of fun. And we were, you know, we were just, honestly, we were just getting drunk and we jumped from <laughs> room to room and places and uh, we did it every night for like two to three weeks. Like every night, he just hit me up and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm outside smoking a cigar. He's like, hey, you want to hang out? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's hang out. So, I mean, he and I hung out every single night for like a month, um, practically. I mean, there was really no nights off until the weather got better. And I just you know, determined that I couldn't drink a, bo a box of boxed wine every night. Um, <laughs> I had more respect for myself than that. Uh, so I, you know, we started talking. I said, dude, we might as well, I go, I got this production program that I use and I'm starting to learn it. I go, do you want to do, you know, you should really, we should start a show. I go, and I don't really plan on, I go, I don't really, I won't plan on being on it much longer than like June or July. And, um, but no, it just started to take off and started doing well. And then the week that I was supposed to leave, I told him, I said, you know what, man, I go, I'll stay on the show as much as I can. I'll have things that pop up. I'm not on every week. I'm probably on, you know, 75 to 80% of the shows. Um, now, but I, I decided, you know, I'll stick around. Um, I didn't interfere with the show. You know, I, I think one thing I try to do is, you know, I'm a cigar smoker, uh, on top of being what I do for work and representing LFB. And I think one of the biggest things with COVID in this whole situation is how close the cigar industry got. I mean, a year and a half ago before this happened, you wouldn't have people on shows talking religiously about, uh, you know, different cigars that they smoked, sitting there with other manufacturers, um, brand owners, representatives from other companies, and everybody came together, and it became really acceptable. And I think the consumer really embraced it. Like, hey, you know, John Carney's on here, and he smokes other cigars. Oh my God, I, you know, if he smokes other cigars, I should probably you know, LFD's got to be legitimate. You know, I got to like that. It legitimized what we're all doing, um, and it really opened up the door for people to be a little more open about being involved with what they smoke. You know, I see more manufacturers from other brands now posting different cigars online, being involved in supporting each other. Um, it's just a really fun thing to see. So it, so when I was watching that, I said to Matthew, I said, you know what? I go, I don't think I have to leave this show. Um, and we had a plan that Nick Perdomo was going to be our guest. And I said, you know what? I go, make sure any of the guests know that I'm a part of the show. I go, make sure Nick knows. And I go, and if Nick has an issue with me on the show, I go, I'll, I'll step aside and I, I won't be part of the show and I'll just come on when I'm a guest. So Nick Perdomo came on. We told him, he's like, Oh, John's on the show. He's like, we'd love to have him there. He's like, I want him on the show. Please let him know uh, that, you know, that we want him there. And that, you know, I think it's a great part of what's going on. Uh, so Matthew called me up. He's like, Hey, I got, he's joking around. He's like, I got bad. Like said, he doesn't want you on the show. And I was like, Oh, no big deal. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm just messing. He wanted you there. So I was like, all right. I'm like, if anybody doesn't want to be on the show, we can tell him that Nick Perdomo said it was fine. I go, so if Nick can come on the show and do that, everybody else can, can deal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so you're not going to PCA. Um, you guys are, are getting your production to where it should be, taking care of your retail partners. What else is in the works for the rest of this year for LFD? 
Well, you know, the immediate the immediate future right now for LFB is that their vice president of sales is going to go get a glass of wine. So that's, that's the very first, the very first important I think, uh, step I think in the process of this next year. Of before anything else, really. Yeah. Yes. So he's, he's got that now. So where do we <laughs> okay. go from here? Um, so at least the wine's coming out of a bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a really, that was a really dark, dark month and a half. Really dark. <laughs> mm. Well, it was really, it was financial decision. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, I can't drink three to four bottles of 20, 30, 40, $50 bottles of wine. So the first yep. two weeks I was drinking nice stuff. And then I was like, this is going to get ridiculous. Like I just did the numbers. I'm like, I can't maintain that. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, I do well, but not like that. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll start drinking these box wines. And then it was limited because I couldn't find certain things I wanted up in Maine. Nothing was open except the grocery store and Walmart. Um, so I, yeah, I started doing black, you know, these black boxes of red, of red wine and, that was so problematic because it was one box is like six bottles and one night I finished one box and the next day oh. I woke up and I was like, I was like, all right, I'm like, this has been too much. This is over. I'm like, I'm going to go back to some nicer stuff just to slow it down. And then I, then I just stopped drinking altogether for about two or three months, uh, which was good. But, uh, but yeah, no, at least it's out of a bottle, but no, the, I mean, the next step for us is we're reestablishing our sales force on the road. I had two new people start last week. Um, with me, that was great. Um, they're, we're really excited to have them on. They're they're both coincidentally named Eric, and they're both from uh, Pittsburgh uh, originally. So uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I've got three people from Pittsburgh on my team now. I have a my sales rep Leo. I told you about earlier. He's from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the first step is reestablishing that. Um, at the same time, we're, we're we're continuing to increase the production. I uh, you know, said so we're back to 100 percent and in uh, being caught up on uh, getting caught up on a few, few SKUs. We have about 200 SKUs. I'm now caught up on four. So we're <laughs> we got a little bit of a ways to go. I think that's a, that's that sounds like a joke. But I, it, I honestly I think it's actually real. Um, but, uh, you know, we're getting caught up with that. And there are some new products on the way uh, in the future. But that's going to be once we get things going here in the next few months. Um so it's really focusing on what we do best and maintain the quality consistency um, and then the availability of the product. Now, the positive thing is right before COVID hit, we had just finished a three-year expansion of the factory. Um, so we hit about three or four months at a new level of production. We increased our production by about, six, I'd say, 50 to 60% um, over a period of three years by adding new rolling space, expanding the factory, expanding at the farm. Um, so that's great. So when we do get caught up, uh, we're going to have a little bit of time uh, where there won't be a surplus, uh, but when we have a new salesperson out there, they're going to be able to actively go out and sell new products, position on some, hopefully position some new accounts. Oh, or if we don't position new accounts, because we haven't been doing business with new accounts um, very much in the last year at all, uh, at least they can go and say, hey, let's add some new facings. Let's rebuild in this humidor um, and, and you know, start working the space a little bit differently. So that's really the focus. That's my main focus for the next few months on top of the gourmet sessions um, is just really focusing on our experience on the road with our salespeople. Um, and, uh, you know, we've expanded the territories a little. They're larger, so there won't be as much travel as there used to be. There's more phone, a lot more of this, a lot more virtual interactions um, and, uh, you know, more strategic visits um, mm -hmm. than, than that because it's just more, you know, they're having expanding more space. Uh, but uh, that's the main focus, right, going forward here. Uh, I would say for at least the next, you know, sixty to ninety days. Yeah. 
Now, do you have, uh, I'm assuming that uh, you've got other brands that you guys produce cigars for, correct? No, we actually, uh, we only make cigars for LFD. We did make one brand for a short period of time. It was uh, called Pasa Dobles. It was by uh, Royal Agio. They were our international distributor. That was very short-lived uh, as they ended up getting uh, you know, bought out and acquired by General Cigar. Um, so that ended with that. Um, but no, we, we, we uh, only make cigars for LFD branded cigars um, with okay. exception. There is one exception. There is one other exception. Well, uh, We make a cigar uh, for a – it's a very mild cigar. Um, it's made for Jack Schwartz up in Chicago. Um, we do make a house blend for them. That's one of Lido's very best friends. Uh, so we make one for him, but that doesn't get distributed anywhere else. It's sold as an LFD product in the store. Okay. Very cool. And out of the, you mentioned there were about 200 SKUs. Uh, and out of that, I, and we all go through phases, you know, we'll go through a few months where we're really smoking a lot of one particular wrapper type or one particular size, things like that. But what's, what's a, you know, out of all the SKUs for LFD, what's the one you see yourself reaching for a lot lately? Well, I, I do jump around for a lot of different cigars, but I, I tend to see medium body products. Um, I do love Double Hero, but, uh, you know, I, you can't smoke that all day, every day. Me personally, I'm not a very full-bodied cigar smoker. I can handle them, but when I have a full-bodied cigar, it's one and done. Um, I, I tend to smoke a lot more medium-bodied. I, I love the Cameroon cabinets. I smoke a ton of our Reserva Special. Um, the 1994 is, is probably my favorite everyday cigar. Um, but the one I've been jumping towards lately, I've been smoking a ton of Coronados lately. Um, mm. Super complex blend. It's one of the few blends that we actually tell you what the actual tobaccos are inside of it. We keep most of our recipes quiet. Uh, but that one, we, we talked that it has, you know, Pluelto Cubano in it. Um, we, we talk about that it has, uh, Dominican Habana, you know, Nicaraguan sun grown wrapper. Uh, we, we actually disclosed three or four different, um, tobaccos that go into that one. So it's a really complex blend. I really enjoy that. And that, I bring that up cause I smoked like 10 of them last week and I was like, man, like, why hadn't I had this for a little while? So just recently I flipped kind of over to Coronado, uh, for, on the short term basis. Yeah. Well, well, and to, to answer Raul's question, you know, um, my favorite, my favorite LFD of all time was, uh, and I've only had one, but it really blew me away was the Cameroon cabinet. Um, is that, are you still making that or was that an LE? We, we still make it. Um, yeah, it's a regular production line for us. Um, you don't see it as much in Northern States cause Cameroon tends to be a real delicate wrapper. Um, yeah. We use a higher priming of it, so it's a little thicker. Uh, but Cameroon is just, you know, the northern states have just been a little more averse um, to pulling the trigger on a lot of Cameroon-wrapped cigars. Um, and and there's a lot of cigars, that, you know, that use Cameroon. I don't think people realize, you know, a lot of, you know, like Partagas, I believe, is like almost all Cameroon. Some of their, you know, the original Partagas is uh, the uh, Dominican versions. Cohiba, the, the Cohiba red, uh, red Dots are Cameroon. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, the Cameroon cabinet for us is awesome. It's funny you mentioned, cause that's, that's one of my, that was my first favorite medium bodied cigar from LFD, uh, real complex blend. Uh, Cameroon yeah. tobacco is one of the few tobaccos that I actually pick up distinct flavors. I get like a lot of nuttiness from it. Um, cause I don't have a super tasting palate. I either like it or don't. 
But when I smoke Cameroon, when I smoke anything Cameroon, I can tell it's Cameroon because it has it tastes like nuts. Hmm. For me, it's actually similar. I mean, it's in the same vein as what we're smoking right now. Um, and by the way, just checking in on these cigars, this, so I, I have the natural Garrett has the Maduro and the, the smoothness and the richness mm. on this cigar is just, it's absolutely killer. It's so, so smooth and rich, you know, and so it's, so for me, the, uh, the, the gold tubo, the Oro natural, uh, in that beautiful gold tube that I, I absolutely love 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 that cigar and um when i can find them i buy them because they're really one of my favorites i'm with you on that matt i i smoke the natural probably four to one to the maduro mm -hmm. uh, maduro's fantastic on the regular world uh, but that natural is just a special special blend that 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 wrapper tobacco i mean the, the insides are the same on the natural maduro but you put that natural wrapper on there it's fun to watch how the blends change so much with the wrapper. Um, you know, you know, same thing with the insides, but it's, it's crazy how such a small portion of the cigar can have such a big impact uh, on the on the flavor performance of it. And I'm with you 100 percent on that. That natural Oro is, is is a special little cigar. Yeah. Well, we got this guy at this shop at uh, Sodi's. He works there part time as well, Dennis, and his favorite cigar is the Digger, and he will smoke back to back to back diggers oh yeah and i i'm that's like just I, how that's just how he rolls i mean he'll yeah really smoke four in a row and just be good to go yeah i'll tell you it's still one of the biggest things is walking into a store and just watching people sit there and smoke diggers like without <laughs> knowing that i'm coming in like i walk in and there's somebody over there with three or four diggers in a bag and they got one and I'm like, man, it's crazy. People, I'm like, people really buy this. Um, it's a great cigar. It's just so much. And I'm like, it blows my mind. Uh, I sat down the other day. I was in Miami, and a guy walked in. He was smoking a Diggerson next to me. I didn't say anything to him. Um, but I looked at the re the new the new salespeople that are next to me. And I said, hey, look, this guy just walked in. He's smoking a Digger. Um, so it, it's really fun to watch people, uh, you know, without being coerced into smoking something, to see them choosing one year brand and then choosing something that's eight and a half inches long and violently full-bodied in a big ring gauge. Um, it's really fun to watch that. It's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Quentin's actually got a good question about the Oros. He said, are they different wrappers? He said, I heard some people use the same wrapper on a natural versus Maduro just based on the color. But on the Oros, they are different uh, uh, different tobacco varietals, correct? On the, on the Oro, they're actually the same. So there's oh, a Nicaraguan the sun-grown natural and a Nicaraguan sun-grown Maduro. Those are both Habano wrappers uh, from okay. Nicaragua. Um, yep. So those those on in the Oro, those are both the same. Um, on right. our doubly Harrow line, coincidentally, we do use three different Maduro wrappers. We use a Connecticut Broadleaf on on uh, four of the SKUs. Uh, we use a uh, Ecuador and Habano Maduro on three of the SKUs, and then we have another three SKUs that we use, Ecuador, Sumatra. Now, they're both, they're all three of those wrappers are grown in the same, uh, sorry, two of the three wrappers are grown in the same exact field, so it's really hard to tell the difference between uh, Ecuador, Sumatra, and Habano in terms of flavor profile. Visually, you can tell a little bit, the Habano is a little bit drier than the Sumatra, just in appearance, and the Connecticut Broadleaf really imitates, uh, well, I would say in reverse, Ecuador, 
Sumatra that's been aged and fermented really imitates Connecticut broadleaf in terms of appearance. That's why a lot of people use Sumatra. And obviously the flavor profile is slightly different. But in Double Hero, we do use three different Maduro wrappers. The reason why is there's like eight different SKUs in a Maduro. You've got to spread it around because of the different size. I mean, if we were using the same wrapper for diggers that we were using for 700s, it would, I mean, you'd never have enough wrapper tobacco. And I just like to make a, a comment about our peanut gallery. They're evolving. They he, are evolving. Even last week, Tim Sudkamp had a, a legitimate question. And now Q, I know what's they're, happening. They're not trolling. I, I want to say, I, I, I'm so proud of you guys. It's a proud pop moment because you're growing, you're growing as people. And you know, it's, you're not, you're not just trolling. It's not just dick jokes anymore. I'm, I'm so proud. You know, just after Father's Day, I'm I'm so proud as a as a as a papa of the of the uh, of the commenters. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Well, I did see I did see another question from John on here. He's got some good ones. He's like, yeah. he says, I know I love to cook, represent LFD, and work out. But besides that, what does John Carney do for fun? Uh, John Carney loves to cook, represent LFD, and work out for fun. Those are those are what he <laughs> likes to do. Um, no, I'd say my biggest hobby right now is is um, I think we were talking about this before the show started. Today was Amazon Prime Day. I have an addiction with outdoor solar lighting and yep. absolute addiction. Like I'm triggered right now. Cause off to the side here, I've got the back of my house. It's up against the train tracks. It's got trees and I have like, it's like big woodsy trees. So it's not like, you know, landscaping, but I have them lit by these solar lights and I'm ticked because the, the stupid light didn't get enough sunlight today and they went off. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I got this solar light addiction right now that's that's driving me nuts. And as I said, I I, I I've talked online. I got a baby on the way, so I I've lived in condos the last ten years, and now I have a house up here in Orlando with my girlfriend, and um, which is great. I've now inherited a house, but uh, now I'm like addicted to lawn work. I mean, it's out of control. It's stupid. I always like, why does my dad like doing this? I mean, today I was outside installing spotlights, cameras. I was having a blast. I came every time I came back in to get a drink of water, I'd go on Amazon Prime on Prime Day and buy like new lights. And I, I bought like I, it's out of control. I have I have see I have a serious problem. Well, now, but you're you're going to be a father, and now you can buy like, hey, this is your first solar kit, and <laughs> yeah. it'll be for the baby. It's yeah, it'll the be baby. exactly it's baby. Mm-hmm. That yep. that'll get you a lot yep. more miles on Amazon if you say it's for the baby. I'm helping. I'm not. I think I can get a gift a gift wrap. They do ask you when you buy it, like, is this for a special yes. occasion? I'll say yes. Yeah. It's for the birth of a baby. Absolutely, <laughs> I need this. There's a train about to go by. You guys might want to mute me for a few seconds. Oh, all right. Wow, that that, that was aggressive. Serious... Before we muted you, that was aggressive. It was. Absolutely. Give us give give us a thumbs up when it's passed. Is it good now? Okay, okay. we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's actually funny because I, I where I grew up in Maine, I have train tracks there too, and I never really noticed it. And when I got up here for first time, I'm like, man, this train's gonna be annoying. It took like one week. I don't even notice it. I hear it coming and warned on shows or whatever, but in the house, it's I sleep through it. It does. It's not even a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So is it? Oh, is. I think so. Is it time? I think it is. It is time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, you guys know that Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. 
All right. Numero de los Muertos brought to you by Smoke and Garrett. What do you have for us this week? All right. For those You're, who haven't. Not to interrupt. No, not to go, interrupt. Man. Not to interrupt. The only thing I got from that, I'm a Connoisseur Club member myself. So, like, actual member. We participate in it, but I'm an actual member, too. The one thing I got from that video is Abe needs to not be a hand model. <laughs> <laughs> like I watched that section it was so uncomfortable watching him open that with his hands like delicately like I, I just didn't need to see that I'm on God's haunting me somebody has to somebody has to tag Abe oh, in the comments right now yeah, Quinn, get like, on that it's like yeah. watching watching Andre the giant open a Tiffany box <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna be a Fabergé egg <laughs> Oh, gosh, that is awesome. I love it. All right. All right. So for those who haven't seen Numero de los Muertos, I give a number, and it is up to uh, Matt and our guest and our viewers to guess how these people died. And I am going to give you a 10-year average. The 10-year average is 90 people a year die here. Oh, it's a place. Mm. So we have to guess the place and the and the cause, or just the place. Just the place. So a ten-year average, ninety people a year die in this particular place. No, Skip Martin. It's not autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. So it's not in their closet. All right, I do have one question. Is it? Is it a? a physical destination or is this like, could this be a place in your home or a place, you know, a generic place like that? Like, is this a specific place or a generic place? We're going to go with yes or no questions, John, no cheating the system. <laughs> wow. Is it, is it generic? Tonight. Is it generic? Yes or no? <laughs> no. Okay. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 90 people a year on average over ten year span, die in the die in the ski lifts in Breckenridge, wow. in Colorado, on ski lifts. That is yeah. very specific. Um, it's a great answer. I want to know. I'm going to look that up. That is not it. Is it in North America? Oh, we can actually ask questions. I didn't have to guess. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes oh, or that's no. That's all I guess. This okay. is like 20 questions, all right, so, man. All right, so it's no generic. So it's okay. So it's not generic. It's a specific place. Yes. Is it in North America? It can be. Oh. I'm going to say on airplanes. So we're, is that it? Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. John's an <laughs> asshole. Thank you. Was that really it? How? Well, when you're on a, when you're on airplanes as much as I or I at least witness one to two deaths a year. So if you figure out there must be there's millions of flights, right? So if I see one or two a year, then you know it's got to be got to be at least you know I think that's a pretty low amount of people dying. So I think that's got to be it. It was just illogical. Dude, that was 
incredible. And it, and it was actually one of your posts from earlier in the week, uh, you waiting in an airplane without AC. Um, and I was like, I wonder how many people just die on airplanes. And so you were the, the true inspiration for this segment. You know, I have to, I have to say, I have to say, I have to say that uh, you're good. You're good, you. <laughs> Thank that you. Was, that was incredible. With is that a record? Nothing, nothing to go on. That what? it's pretty close. We had if it's bear, not a record, but it's pretty close. We had bear. Yeah, bear duplicity. I think it was. The, some, it, it was, was sanitation the, engineer. Yeah, it was like the first first <laughs> words out of the mouth was sanitation engineer, and he got it right. But that's that's that pretty is close. Damn close. Wow. So uh, yeah, about ninety people a year die in an airplane um in in flight uh and that i can't i thought we were i thought we were going to go the distance on that one yeah that was a that was a good one that was a good one i'll be honest it's kind of surprising it's that low i mean that's not you figure how many flights are going on and 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 it's that's that's shockingly low to me so here but here that is not the global number that is North America and South America combined. So the um, I forgot what that um, that airspace statistic came from both North and South America. And the number is one in 600 flights. Wow. Really? Yeah. Well, I know that uh, about 10 years ago, I was on a work trip from Minneapolis to Las Vegas and we had to stop in Denver because one of the passengers about six rows behind me had a heart attack on the flight and they had to, we had to stop in Denver so they could get him out to, uh, to a hospital. So, and I learned some crazy things about if a passenger dies. Um, if, if a passenger dies and there's obviously there's no, uh, way to resuscitate, there's no need to stop the flight. They will just either keep that person in, they'll cover them with a sheet or if there's room in the back of the plane, they'll bring them to the back of the plane, but there's no, uh, yeah, they don't. I, if so. I have read that if the person's physically dead, they yeah. they'd continue on with the flight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, they, uh, they... go ahead, John. Well, no, what Quentin said, he said, he said he doesn't want to fly. Now, honestly, that's a very low number, uh, to be honest with you, yeah. 90. I mean, you think about how many people die in auto accidents a year. Uh, you think about how many people die getting struck by lightning. I mean, that's that's a really low number. Yeah. Um, and those, yeah. I, I guarantee you, if you take those numbers and say the 90, most of those people probably, you know, I would say probably 90% of the 90 had some pre-existing situation that that they were they were on the way out probably anyway yeah, yeah. Actually, probably a so, very small percentage was like some somebody dying at a younger age of like a heart attack or something probably yeah. infinitesimally small 40% of of uh deaths in flight deaths are people going to their final destination knowing that they are dying yeah oh well, they while they're traveling they're they're traveling because yep. they're sick and yep. they're like going home to, Oh wow. Yeah, or somewhere home or die in Hawaii or, or wherever. How much would that suck? Oh man. 
Yeah. You know, I just yeah. want to say, I just want to say that if I'm ever on one of those flights and the and the passenger in the seat next to me dies, I call dibs on their snacks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That was horrible. I'm going. Uh, I, I I coincidentally though I uh I got my finger caught one time inside of the armrest because oh. they have these little buttons and you can lift the armrest up. Yeah. I got my finger caught in it and I couldn't get it out. And they had to when we landed, they called the head that there was an injury on the plane. I was in the very first seat oh, of the oh. plane, so they they exited everybody off the plane. And they came in and took the seat apart piece by piece to get my finger out of the plane. The pilot comes out laughing after everybody left. He's like, hey, man. He's like, I don't mean to laugh. He's like, he goes, I've never seen that. He goes, that's a riot. He's like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, it hurts. I go, it's not nothing bad's going to happen. And I was just sitting there drinking a glass of wine. And coincidentally, I had this very old flight attendant. She's probably retired now because uh, she was like 80 at the time. And she's like, I've been working on this airline for 60 years. She's like, and I've never seen that before. <laughs> and I was like, hey, leave it to me to get my finger stuck inside of a seat. That's that's fantastic. I love it. So that was this week's Numero, Numero de, los de los Muertos. All right. So let's go into the lightning round. So John, last time you were on, we had some early running lightning round questions, but we have some fresh ones to make sure. Uh, so if you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be? I'm, I'm tell you, I prayed about this one and it came back, man. Crocs, <laughs> Crocs, Crocs were the dorkiest thing. Everybody made fun of them. And I loved Crocs. And then about two years back, some 15-year-old kid comes up to me. He's like, hey, man. He's like, great Crocs. And I was like, awesome. And then all the young people are wearing Crocs now again. It's cool. So I prayed for that one. Crocs. I would have brought it back, and it did. That's the power of positive thinking. There you go. There you go. You single-handedly you brought, brought it back. back. You brought it back. I've never owned Crocs. I've heard they're wonderful. I just have never... I've got them up at the cabin. I don't really care one way or another about the look of them. I, I've just never never owned any. I, I should probably try them. Well, they're great at the cabin because you can you can wear them in the water. You can wear them anywhere. They're all, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, they're John, they're really nice on the joints too. I highly recommend them. Highly recommended. All right. Okay. Next. I need I need that. I'll wear. I'll get some for for PCA. We should get some super we'll loud get, crocs. We'll get super loud, like really bright, shiny crocs. All right. Um, Highly recommend it. John, who was your favorite celebrity crush when you were a teenager? Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Loved her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she is special. Uh, she is a lovely mm. young, young lady. Mm. We, we watched I Know What You Did Last Summer once at a sleepover party with like four of my buddies. And we watched I Know What You Did Last Summer straight times. We had it on in the background. We were playing video games. And, um, yeah, we just continuously watched that. And, yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Got to go to the bathroom again, guys. <laughs> Be right back. Mm -hmm. It was a lot, of testo a lot of young testosterone flowing through that room. Oh, yeah. yeah. The uh, the wear, wearing out the pause button on the remote. <laughs> oh, yeah, 
for certain scenes. Certain, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. certain scenes. Well, it was, a v, it was a VHS tape, so we had to be very careful with the tape itself, you know, that it didn't, you know, that we didn't ruin just that one portion. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, John, if you could add any person's face to Mount Rushmore, who would it be? This one's going to get me in trouble, guys. No, it doesn't have to be. It's going to get me in trouble. It can be anybody. Oh, it has to. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be Donald Trump. Okay. All right. I want it. I want it. I want it so bad. I not even not even because I love him so much. I love chaos. Um, and (laughs) it would in the modern time if we could add it like right now, it would be so split. There'd be so many people like, oh, he deserves it so much, and there'd be so many other people that, oh, he doesn't deserve it at all. I mean, it would have been the same thing like 10, you know, like 15, 20 years ago when George W. Bush was president. And the guy was hated. And now he was like, oh, George W. Bush. Oh, he's painting all these pictures. I mean, time heals all things. Uh, but if you, there's nobody that's been more divisive as president in terms of the political, you know, in terms of the politics of it than Donald Trump. The, the amount okay. of chaos that would ensue with that would be just, I mean, would be over the top. I mean, it would be, it'd be beautiful. <laughs> I guarantee if his face ended up there, let's say just in the next couple years, for some reason, mm-hmm. I doubt that it would last 12 months. Oh, before somebody blew oh. it up? Before, I mean, that would become the new, like, C4 testing ground for some. <laughs> that would be the, that would be protest central. Yeah. The world. It would be the, it would be the only thing the House and the Senate would try to pass bills on would be like outlawing, uh, you know, th- that as a national park. They've already tried before. But it would be yeah, the only right. thing they did. It'd be like, oh, for the next years, for the next 10, 10 years, we're going to focus on this. And then we'd be like, well, the school systems are broken. Like, well, you just spent the last 10 years trying to get Donald Trump's face off this thing. Maybe that should have been a side project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, you know, and that's a good point because that's all they do. They, the, we don't want to turn this into a both sides. Show. No, but both but, sides. Yeah, both, both sides. sides. Yeah. Both both sides. sides. Yeah. Nobody gets anything done. It's games. I mean, the House and the Senate. The House and the Senate have the lowest approval rating in the planet. It's it's unbelievably how low. Except locally, when you go to like the state of Maine, everybody loves their senator, right? When you go to the state of Minnesota, they love this, they love that. For everybody's the best locally. Then when you go out, right. everybody's like, nobody can get the jobs of. Maybe we should stop electing all of them. You know, I don't yeah. care what party they're from. They we all think Fire. they suck. Fire all of them. <laughs> term limits. Yeah. Term if, if limits. This is, term if this is a third, if this is a third world country, there would have been a military coup taking over both of those things with that type of stuff. But 100%. anyway, but yeah, there'd be yeah that would it would be utter chaos. It would be awesome, and uh, yeah, I, it would be very short lived, but that would be amazing. So yeah, I do that for the chaos. I wish I wish I had the soundbite from the Dark Knight where uh, Alfred says, "Some men just want to yeah, watch the, the world, world burn." burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do this week's, um, let's do this week's notable smokable. And as always guys, notable smokable is brought to you by ACE prime, notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So John, each week we talk about a cigar that we smoked recently that was interesting to us. It could be something that's been on the market for many, many years. And we just revisited for the first time in a while, or it could be something brand new to the market that we just tried. So is there something you've smoked recently that kind of fits that criteria that stuck out in your mind? Wow. Wow. You know what? I had, I did. I smoked a Byron 
the Byron mm. 25th anniversary that was made for Cigars on the Avenue here in Winter Park, Florida. Um, I believe he's sold out of it now, but Don Patel, the gentleman owns that store, beautiful spot right in downtown on Park Avenue in Winter Park. Um, that cigar was awesome. It was really good. It was, I, I, the flavor profile, it had like a, you know, that tannic nature of blueberries on the finish. Like once you swallow and eat a yeah. blueberry, it's got that like tannic nature. It had that yeah. same exact mouthfeel and flavor profile. And I never had that from any cigar. So, uh, that for me stood out as something I'd never experienced tobacco tasting like that. And I never experienced a cigar that consistently stayed that way. So I would, yeah, that Byron 25th anniversary by cigars on the Avenue was probably the one in this last, I'd say, six months that I've had that's really, you know, been above and beyond uh, from from everything else I tried. Nice. Uh, Garrett, what was yours this week? Well, last night, um, when I finally got a chance to really sit down and have my Father's Day cigar, you know, I opened up the old humidor, and I couldn't decide. I almost, I actually almost picked a Byron myself. But I decided to go with an Opus 20 year. Mm. And Good. hold up. Which one did you smoke? The belly. Which one did you smoke? Oh, nice. The belly? Yeah. I actually, the reason I said this way, because I actually got a box of Opus 20. Oh, that is beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. Look at that. Look at Yeah, great smoke. This is the. Um, power of the dream yeah yeah and i don't remember the the name that they call the bellicoso um, this that's it this is the power it's the power of the dream oh is it oh is that the bellicoso yeah, oh, yeah. there you go that's what that's, i smoke that's the one power of the yeah. dream yeah awesome smoke uh, one thing i'll say about it is it was fantastic the smoke on it's great uh, it's awesome i've smoked through half this box i've only had it for like two weeks uh, two or three weeks um the draw on it's impeccable um, yes. you know, it's not, it doesn't, you know, it's been bled right. It's, you know, a lot of companies will sometimes will throw a lot of tobacco in and the draw is bad. Um, you know, cause you got to blend those tobaccos together. Uh, but you know, this for me, the draw on it was fantastic. It was, it was an awesome. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So my notable this week was actually also the, it was my last cigar of the night, uh, last night. And, um, just kind of when you know kind of the father's day all that all that stuff kind of chilled out um i sat down with uh with a glass of rum and i found an old my father lounge exclusive from 2011 from uh um federal cigar oh wow oh nice yeah, that was a good smoke really and i had forgotten because i haven't smoked one in I don't know. The last time I smoked one, I think was probably six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And it, even after 10 years, it, it had that, my father, you know, character to it. It, it there was, there was plenty of spice, but it had, it, it really smoothed out over time and, you know, had smoothness to it and, and kind of this back end spice. And it was just really nice to sit down at the end of, uh, you know, end of father's day with a my father cigar and it, it really just you know didn't disappoint after after 10 years of age on it really really nice cigar i i think those pepines kind of know what they're doing those pepines know what they're doing a little bit yeah the uh, garcia family definitely knows what they're doing well so they got really was... full-bodied rich tobaccos so it, it ages great right oh yeah oh, for sure yeah because it can 
you know, it can stand up to it. It can stand up to age because even, um, you know, you smoke it after three months and it, although you're going to get a lot of different things from it 10 years down the line, it's still going to have that, that sort of signature to it, mm-hmm. you know, and I really, I really dig that about the stuff that they make. So there's two more things I want to hit before we really start to close it out. If I can. Well, I, I'm just going to close the segment. Here. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was this week's notable smokables brought to you by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit aceprime.com to learn more. Now, I want to say that I am almost exactly an hour and a half into this cigar and it is stupid and in such a good way. Look at that burn. I haven't touched this once. I should say I haven't touched it up once. I was talking for a bit and it started to, but that burn on this large of a ring gauge, not all larger ring gauge cigars burn that clean. So obviously amazing construction. The flavors are a little bit more rich than what Matt was uh, describing for me. Um, But just awesome. Great job, you guys. Yeah. On this cigar. Thank you. Yeah. Glad you're enjoying them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask about the Super Bowl cigars that you guys do. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be and what the reception for that is like. So it's been huge. It started as, you know, it started from, uh, there's a retailer, was a retailer out in Arizona uh, named Baxter Cigars and Joe with the gentleman who was the manager there. Um, he and I were just sitting around one day and we're talking about the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, I'd love to come out for the Super Bowl. And he's like, you guys should make a football cigar for it. I'm like, you know, it's a great idea. And um, so I messaged Lito and I said, hey, if you, you know, maybe we should do something, a football cigar, you know, for the Super Bowl so we can be part of it. It's a big, obviously a lot of cigar stuff going on around those times in big cities. And um, so it was something we started just the first year and it had a lot of huge reception around it. And the unique thing of it, it's like when we when we put artwork on the cigars, I, I've read people, some people's comments, sometimes the trolls online, like, oh, this is just gimmicky. Yeah, of course it's a gimmick. It's a football made out of tobacco, <laughs> but it's put on a really good cigar. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely a gimmick. You're like, yeah, like they're like, oh, that's like they're saying something, uh, you know, some groundbreaking information. And uh, yeah, it's a gimmick. <laughs> but what, when gimmicks suck is when it's a, you know, a subpar or shitty pro. Right. Um, so yeah, but it's great tobacco used in a way to celebrate something unique and special. And and there's nothing in my opinion, there's nothing more gimmicky than the actual Super Bowl and the whole things that are around it. So if you can take a high end premium product as a cigar and something that's really true to itself, then you enjoy it. Uh, you know, then you 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 have the cigar and you enjoy it. You realize that it wasn't just put out there. It's not out there just to make money. It's there to celebrate it. And um, and yeah, it's it's really been exciting. I think we're. I think we just had our eighth year with it and um we do the cigar game every year in tuscaloosa alabama which is the third week of october every year tennessee plays alabama they flip flop and that's called the cigar game the winner of that smokes cigars and uh, we've been making a football edition for that every other year when it's in tuscaloosa um but yeah we were on their eighth edition of the special football edition for the super bowl i believe it's eight might be seven uh but yeah it's been fun and uh, it's gotten more you know it's gotten special more special every year every year is unique distinct size and shape we've utilized a similar blend the last few years you can see how the size and shape changes the way the cigar performs on flavor profile body 
and, and whatnot. Uh, so there's been some really fascinating cigars. I'd say for me, the most fun I had with the cigar in regards to just the smoking experience was the one we did for Atlanta. That was a factory press. It was a 60 ring gauge. Um, that was awesome. That cigar was really, really good. I enjoyed that one. And the one we did for California when it was in San Jose, uh, uh, not San Jose, um, Santa Clara in San Francisco, um, that for me, with just the size and shape, it was like a little perfecto. That was awesome. I loved that shape. I thought that was really cool. Uh, so that and the Atlanta one were my two favorite size and shapes. In terms of the actual cigar itself, this last year's that we did in Tampa was my favorite cigar. Uh, in terms of the overall experience. So it was, it was um, after all those years to have my favorite one be, you know, the one that was done eight years ago, uh, over eight years was done. This just this past year was awesome. It was, uh, it was a home, you know, not, a, it's not, it was a touchdown or a home run. I mean, to cliche it and be gimmicky, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, but the, last year's was my favorite cigar overall, uh, but the factory press in that perfecto we did in Santa Clara was, was two of my favorite shapes. Well, and I know, so I had gotten one for Matt and I, um, I don't know, a couple years ago now, and we had them, and after that, I started looking and reading, and there was actually quite a bit of counterfeits out there. Oh, interesting. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I'm almost convinced that the ones that I got were counterfeits. Oh, you think so? Well, not only, I mean, they were, they were $8 a piece mm -hmm. and they had no banding and it was in a plain box um, it, it, that had to have been the case. Well, yeah, if there was no band on it. Oh, look at that. Oh, who is that? Who is this? This is actually uh, Jonathan. This is his name. His name is Jonathan. <laughs> this is my buddy. Nice. Oh, that's, and I, that's your girlfriend and I, in a robe. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there she is in the back. Oh no, that's actually not the girlfriend. That's oh. not the girlfriend. No, that's uh, that's the girlfriend's friend. Oh, oh our, okay. our our studio lights are so bright; it's hard to see our screen. So we'll put UP here. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, no, the dog's name is John. So counterfeit, huh? Eight dollars. So they were. Yeah, if I remember right, they didn't have. They didn't have any bands. They on didn't it. have bands on them. So I don't think those have did, you heard did of, any of the LFD football cigars have no bands on them? No, they've always been banded. Oh, so those were not real. Yeah. I don't yeah. think LFD cigars. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that explains it. That does explain it because so they, they, they were they were not good. They were not good. <laughs> those were not LFD cigars. Yeah, they were sort of a torpedo shape that had a so so that's the girlfriend because she realized she was on the screen and then ran away. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you got counterfeits. I did. But th did the person who sold them to you tell you that they were LFD cigars? Um, all did you he get said them? was, um, these were the Super Bowl cigars from last year. Oh, yeah. Well, because it was the year after it was in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they were not because they didn't have LFD bands on. They were in cellophane, but they were, yeah, I don't know what those were. I'm glad they were not LFD cigars because they were not good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some stuff we have coming up next week on Monday, the 28th, we have Juan Martinez from Hoya de Nicaragua cigars. 
on this uh, on the fifth of July, we're going to have sort of a special show leading into uh, the PCA. Uh, we're just going to sort of celebrate patriotism and smoke some cigars and um, you know light off some sparklers and uh, have a good time on that show. Um, and then on July 9th through July. 13th uh stay tuned because we're going to have live pca coverage multiple times a day during the trade show in las vegas mm. so uh you'll you guys will want to make sure to Great. subscribe to the youtube channel and follow us on facebook so that you don't miss any of the live videos because they're just gonna they're they're gonna come on and and uh and be quick hitters so don't miss any of those um so John, give all our viewers and listeners uh, the best place where they can stay in touch with uh, LFD Cigars online. My 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 dog's being taken away. He's such a traitor. Oh man! Oh. He, the door gets opened up. He's got a little snack waiting for him. I mean, what a jerk! <laughs> Good grief. Um. So yeah, no, I we so we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, we got a big July Fourth show doing. We invite everybody to come on. Uh, that'll be live on Facebook and YouTube. It'll be on LFD Facebook and Hacking Gourmet. Uh, that'll be the 4th of July extravaganza. We'll be doing the fireworks show at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I got better camera for this year, so it's going to be a lot better view. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, and then we've got a gourmet smoke session going on this coming Wednesday, two days from now in Arkansas, the same place, same station, uh, live on Facebook and uh, YouTube. And then they can always stay in touch with us, uh, lfdcigars.com. We've got a brand new website coming in the next month or so. Uh, that'll be exciting. A lot of new artwork, a lot of new photography that, uh, that's been developed actually by Tony Gomez, Lido's son. Um, he's been working on that. So that's going to be a really fun thing in the next few months uh, to have there. But you can always find us on social media. I'm at LFD Carney uh, on all social media. And you can find me, Jonathan M. Carney, on Facebook. Um, but, uh, hacking gourmet is another spot to follow us along for all the food side. It's hacking gourmet. So yeah, all of those things, you can check us out on the web or hackinggourmet.com. It's got all the LFD sessions on there too. So there's all sorts of places. So stay tuned. You can uh, check out LFD. So this is a big week and a half for us celebrating America. And, uh, we start in Arkansas on Wednesday. Nice. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for being on uh, your yeah, second man. appearance on how about that cigar live. We appreciate your time tonight. We had a great time talking to you. Uh, we wish you an awesome second half of 2021. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate everything you guys doing. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm looking forward, even though we won't be there, I'm going to be uh, checking out a lot of the coverage on the PCA show. And I love that you guys are going to be doing a live, uh, live things from the show. I think that's a great dynamic and um, looking forward to watching it. Yeah, appreciate we're very it. excited. Thank you. Uh, so all our viewers and listeners, as always, guys, we appreciate you so much for spending time with us on how about that cigar live episode 115. Uh, as always, uh, you know, make sure to listen to the audio podcast after the fact. You can find us on all the big uh, audio podcast platforms. If you have any questions, email us directly from the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Follow us on all social media at HBT Cigars. And as always, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks, Thanks everybody.